0: welcome to the shark pod the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in ireland and beyond and now live from greystone studios here are your hosts luke curry and mark baker
1: what is up shark nation welcome to another uh shark pod here live from greystone studios i've got mark baker as usual out there in uh, Glennagarry, how are you doing mark Great. Yeah. How are you, Luke? I'm. I'm good. I'm good. We just, we've got uh, Stephen Flynn from the the Happy Pair uh, on uh, today as a very special guest. What better guest uh, from Greystone Studios than uh, Stephen Flynn? So, Stephen, you are very welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks a million, lads. Honored. Honored. Delighted to be here.
1: And the uh, here's something. Here's something interesting. And uh, we talk about. We're going to get straight in here. All right. So great. I grew up. I grew up in Donegal. And uh, lived in Vancouver for a while, traveled around uh, for a couple of years, um, and I never, I never thought about Greystones uh, as a as a a move for me, right? But I think that what you and your brother have done that's the reason why I live in Greystones. I, I feel like there's some sort of pull that the the happy pair kind of put on the town, put it on the map. Um, and i think that's why we we live here so since we we moved here about a year and a half ago so thanks very much for the the, you know, the kind of vibe you've We're got there the, qu-
0: the big question lucas have you gone have you gone vegan yet though i
1: haven't gone ve- vegan yet i actually
2: I, <laughs> I love the yet in there
1: <laughs> <laughs> i had a, I had some beef no pressure it. lads <laughs> Okay, we might get into that as well, and we try to get me off the get me off the cow here. Um, but yeah, so uh, for I'm sure everyone that's listening uh, is uh, familiar with Stephen and his brother and the the happy pair. But the kind of the ground zero of the whole brand about the whole business is uh, in the small Wicklow town of uh, Graystones. Um, so, I mean, if you come to Greystones, you'll, you'll see the guys walking around. I've seen you guys a few times walking around, and I, th- I said to Mark uh, one day uh, over the. Over the summer, I was, was training for an Ironman that was then cancelled. Um, so I was up early, and I'd, I'd see you guys uh, going down for the swim. And uh, I saw, uh, I don't know if it was you or your brother, but you were walking down for the swim in the morning with the, the dry robe, and you had like a basket of like baked goods or something. And I'm like, these guys are living it. No one's watching. This is this is for real. Hey, Drew. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, so you're, like I said, you're, you're very welcome to the, the podcast. And so for the people talking i'm sure that they they may have heard the story about how you guys got started and everything like that um, but what's the kind of how would you say like sum up the kind of genesis story of how you got into the kind of the health food movement how you got into business how would you kind of kind of frame that
2: um i think it came out is the audio okay
1: yeah it's perfect, it's perfect. Uh, i think i think it came out
2: of um personal change uh, like we ourselves grew up in this little town Greystones, Um, You know, nice middle class town, quite conservative, went to all boys schools, um, grew up eating meat and two veg, burgers and chips, uh, went to secondary school, got stuck into pints, you know, being rugby players and wanting to be extra good jocks. We drank lots of beer and, you know, we did all that. Um, And I guess that then went off to university and studied business and very much bought in. I think, Mark, you're an accountant, so you can relate to the, the whole Business ideology that you know it kind of espouses materialism, and it's all you know it might be subversively recommended to you, but it's all you know if you want to be successful, you should make a lot of money, and you will be successful or be famous or something like this. And I kind of put into it, I thought this sounds great, fabulous. Uh, and then before we kind of started finding any career, I don't know something I just felt a little funny. Just I don't know there was a hollowness, an emptiness inside me, and I remember sitting down one Christmas with Dave kind of gone, I don't know. I feel a bit, I feel a bit confused. I'm not sure what I'm interested in and I'm going away and I'm not coming back until I'm happy. Okay. So I put on my ticket to Vancouver. Mostly we were born in Canada, so I had a Canadian passport. And the summer previously, I remember meeting two guys from Vancouver. We were interrailing around Europe and I remember finding our way to Florence. And uh, I remember we were out one night we met two, two guys and we had such a laugh with them. And at the end of the night, was like they told us they weren't drunk they weren't drinking they didn't take any And i was like "What? you were able to socialize have so much fun be like literally the heart and soul of the party and you didn't take any and i was like oh my god that's amazing i want to be like you yeah uh, so i remember literally I, I flew out to vancouver and it, well, it wasn't because it was more i had a canadian passport i knew those guys once someone said i could sleep in his floor for a week so i was like great Grand. um and i met mark and hung out with him for a week and then found my way up to whistler and I guess it was the first time away from Dave afraid from being away from being a twin away from being anyone like literally isolated on my own and I think that gave me an opportunity to explore my social conditioning going who do I want to be maybe I don't want to be a jock anymore maybe I'll be a, a hippie or maybe I'll be I don't know what I'll be but like let's let's explore it and it was there that I found I was much more interested in food and throughout that journey of the next couple of years it was kind of very much um Kind of me pushing my boundaries. I went tree planting in northern Canada, where I used to get a helicopter to work. It was with yeah. a bunch of Christians. I was the only non-Christian and a vegetarian. <laughs> then went hitchhiking all around America, in meditation centers, polyamorous communities, Tony Robbins conferences. Med- you know anything weird and wonderful. <laughs> but I was, I guess, the goal was to find out. You know where do I feel most comfortable in myself? And it was through that journey I found out I was much more interested in health, happiness, and community. And I remember calling Dave one day and going, Dave, you're up for starting, you know, a food revolution. Uh, you know, I was young and idealistic and um, that was the the start of the happy pair. We kind of wanted to to use, it, originally I wanted to start it as a charity because it wasn't about money. And I guess coming out from a, a business degree, it was like, no, capitalism and money is bad. I don't want that. No, nothing to do with that. This is going to be a charity. But dad somehow had convinced me that, no, you're better off trying to change society from within the business Community as opposed to trying to get handouts. So I thought, okay, great. You're you're wise dad. I follow your advice, and um, and we started the Happy Pair. At, at the time it started, Ireland was an economic boom, so it was very easy to borrow money. So I remember essentially doing a business plan on the back of an envelope and being able to borrow a hundred grand. Nice. Uh, and we we bought we with that that with that hundred grand, we spent it on key money to get the premises, the lease on a former veg shop. And we would a little red van and we used to get up at half four and go into the fruit market. And for many people, we were crazy and what we were doing was a bit bizarre. But for us, it was something that we really believed in.
1: It's such a, it's an interesting journey that you you come kind of full circle back to where you started, but you're kind of a different person. It's um, it's interesting as well because I was also born in Canada um, and I have a Canadian passport. And I went to Vancouver to find myself as well. Um, kind of That's hilarious. Uh, in a different way. So I, I wonder when you were over in, in Vancouver and Whistler and all that type of stuff, like when I was there I felt that it was uh because I was a little bit anonymous I could try different things I could there was no one there to really judge you from what you think you should have been do you know um and that's why I changed career while I was there and all that type of stuff um because I was like you went to um business uh business school uh, working in Davy uh, Davie Stockbrokers for two years that was kind of the vision that I had but I was incredibly unhappy um and then I went off for a couple of years traveled around South America and stuff like that and came back uh kind of a different person. I think if, if people are out there listen to that, that's kind of, that's a great idea to do if you're, if you feel like you're stuck, just get out of there, go do something, go to polyamorous uh, uh, Tony Robbins conferences and uh, get out of <laughs> I think it's really cool. Um,
0: I, so, sorry, Stephen, what what was Dave doing at the, at, the, at the same time?
2: He was doing something similar, but on a different part of the world. He went to South Africa to be a golf pro. And within about a couple of months of trying to be a golf pro, we realized actually is a bit lonely Uh, i don't know i don't know if this is necessary for me so he kind of went off around central america went spent about maybe it was a year kicking around central america and we'd meet up every now and then and yeah it was a similar kind of quest of self-discovery you know to say cliche but in essence it was to understand what we were more interested in and where we felt most comfortable and it was i guess through that process we found out we were much more interested in you know what we ate how it affected us you're interested in community and the power of community, and not necessarily. I want to be really rich and have a big car and be deemed successful. That was kind of the the gist of it.
1: It's interesting that sometimes, like you said, following those passionate uh, passion product projects kind of leads to having those things kind of on the back end, anyway. Um, hopefully, and if not, you still got the <laughs> you still got the lifestyle that you wanted, anyway. So, what's the difference here? Um, yeah, exactly. at the beginning yeah. when you, you uh, yeah, I know the the story of you guys uh you're going to start the food uh, revolution for others people but you guys are living that yourselves as well um were you kind of kind of uh big zealots at the beginning like as in you, did you go for like a year with your total you know uh, kind of veganism and very uh kind of staunch about that or was it something like a transition that you guys had a transitional period oh no we were we tend to be kind of all in all or nothing
2: Okay. So, yeah, it was it was kind of a journey going from, you know, meat and two veg to vegetarian to vegan. You know, and in essence, the the essence was like, I wonder, can I eat myself to enlightenment? If I eat a wheelbarrow of spinach, will I suddenly become a kinder, nicer, more rounded human being? You know, there was this kind of underlying um, curiosity. Uh, and I guess from being a vegan diet, I got into a raw food diet where I didn't eat any cooked food for about a year and got very into sprouting and fermenting foods uh, and then got into fasting and cleansing and enemas and all sorts of sexy stuff like that. Wow. So yeah, for, uh, I guess when I came back first, maybe it's because back 20 years ago to be vegan was really weird in, in Ireland. So you kind of had to be quite defensive of your own little turf and your own little bit of identity. So yeah, we were, uh, unfortunately, because it was two of us, it was easier to sustain it because you had a little support bubble but um, yeah, we were zealots for a good while. And I, I think it's only with time, like it took a number of years for us to kind of realize, geez, I'm kind of miserable around other people. And I spent so much time talking about myself and my relationship with food. Like, you know, it's more to life than this. I'm a bit neurotic, you know, that way. So yeah. it took it took a while to find a bit more balance around it.
1: It's interesting. And did the, I guess, the did people, when you came back, did they think it was a little bit strange that you were doing that? Or did you just... Were people kind of trying to force a, a burger into your hand, or going out kind of with friends and stuff Hello. like that?
2: Or Not everyone. Gosh, we were weird. well. I think we we came back and visually it changed our appearance in the hope that people would treat us differently. You know, okay. they, I can say I can explain it retrospectively why we did it now, but at the time it was just like I wanted to be outlandish. I was, you know, I used to paint my fingernails at a big top knot, polyester shirt, plaid pants, like wear bowling shoes. You know, it was really just trying to be garishly like. Treat me differently. I'm not the same person. Okay. And I, I think that was the, the general idea was that, you know, say old friends would meet us. They might not know how to necessarily treat us. That was, I, I guess that was the intention behind it. So, yeah, people were – I guess we realized when we changed our diet and lifestyle so much, if we were going to sustain it in Greystones, we needed to create a support network around it. Um, so that's why we started The Happy Pair. At the most selfish level was to create – an environment that supported these news ideal, new ideals that we believed in.
1: It's such an interesting kind of uh, start point to say, okay, this is the life that we want to live. We need other people to, for this to be a full life, and well, we're going to need other people to kind of buy into this as well. So let's kind of build it and they will come mentality, it seemed like uh, you guys. A bit like
2: that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a bit like that. Like as weird as this sounds, when we first started this shop, I remember Dave kind of expressing it in a weird way that, he kind of felt he had this feeling or general sentiment in him that he wanted to just share with the world. And we grew up, I'm sure you saw two Care Bears. Do you ever watch Care Bears?
1: Big Care Bears yep. fan growing up. Well, Good man, very, me too, beginning. I loved it.
2: <laughs> but it was like that. It was like that Care Bears stare, you know. <laughs> it was like this general feeling inside us that we just wanted to share with the world or get out or express it. And it was quite, it was just this this feeling. And that was what we were, I guess, we were trying to bring into real life through our, our work.
0: Did you ever think of calling the business the Care Pairs? <laughs> I love it. Uh,
2: not yet, but I, I do like the name, Mark. Yeah, a bit of a spin-off
1: there, Mark. Maybe you can kind of... You know, I'm always thinking. The, the accounting firm uh, that you can help them build. That's uh, cool. So the when you guys started the, the first business, uh, the, the first you got the, like I said, you borrowed some money, you got your premises, all that type of stuff. What's the story with... Um, did you think that... Maybe I'll premise it like this. I watched a video recently. Uh, it was just you guys were just coming out of uh, lockdown. You guys were starting the bakery. Um, it was really, really exciting watching how excited you guys were about this new element of your business. And uh, Mark, you know about Greystone's? I mean, it's got some of the best bread in Ireland knocking around. like. Um, so the guy's were very excited about that. I just thought to myself, I wonder, are, are they planning this out on a long-term thing where it's like, okay, when you started it one day, we're, we were going to have room for a bakery, uh, a coffee roasting part, a you know a cafe, or was that just stuff that you wanted to do just every year, you just wanted to expand and that's when the, where the planning went or was it from the beginning?
2: No, I'd love to say I'm really strategic and I'm a great you know, forward thinker, but me and Dave tend to be very spontaneous. And I guess we, we're always following our curiosity. And that's why at the start, remember what I kind of mentioned, if you follow your passion project, sometimes you can gather arms and legs and a face in, in ways that you maybe didn't plan or consider. And I guess that's a bit like the happy pair. You know, we started with this kind of audacious goal that we wanted to try to create a happier, healthier world. We didn't necessarily measure it. It was just this arbitrary concept. But I guess as chefs, I'm always intrigued with different aspects of food and sourdough has been something that I've been fascinated for about four years now and kind of baking religiously at home and just fascinated with it, with kind of the art and the fermentation process and different grains and how that impacts flavor. So it was something that I kind of wanted to bring to fruit for a while. And it just, you know, just kind of things line up certain times you meet someone that's like, what about we get the bakery going? What about, you know, I often have these ideas hatching in the back of my mind, but you don't know when they're going to land or. If they land, you'd know it, Mark. I'm sure you both know it. You know the way.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm always trying to like. I find it hard to reconcile the the creativity with the business point. Like, I'm I'm creative, but I'm a businessman as well. And I often feel that the the business and structure and the the boring stuff and the serious stuff actually t- takes over. And it's probably my life is ninety percent business and ten percent painting do you know what i mean like how do you reconcile the two of them how do you stay so creative but at the same time you're running a serious business yeah i
2: think it's a constant conflict and it's something that uh, i guess as me and dave as the business has grown me and dave have learned our strong points and our serious weaknesses uh, structure order procedures <laughs> um you know whatever you call those work li- what do you call those uh, job specs all this type of stuff we're appalling i hate it like hate it like really bad at it so it's like as the business has grown and we're in a better financial position, we've employed people that are much better at that stuff. And that's their strong point. And they, they're really good at that stuff. And me and Dave, I guess, when we have that, it supports us to be more in our creative space. So I, I think we're only as good as the people around us. And um, So, you know, at times where at times we can be very negligent about the structure and the systems and the procedures, and we can be a little bit you know, we can be difficult to work with because we are quite spontaneous and we do have ideas and we do, you know, and we forget about reporting lines and all these horrible things. But I guess through our business experience, it's gone like back, I don't know, maybe was it three years ago or four years ago, we borrowed a million and a half uh, euros and we were planning on really um, growing the business hugely. We set up a central production facility. We opened another cafe. We opened another cafe. We We were going for it. And it was through this process that, The business was growing quickly. We were suddenly exporting to Waitrose in the UK. We kind of hired on a number of people to, you know, for this extra sales that were coming. Uh, And it was through this process, we kind of, I don't know, the business just didn't feel like our own. Every time I go down to Pearville, our central production facility, I'd be meeting new people. It didn't feel like our business anymore. It felt kind of like, what are we doing this for? This all feels a bit hollow. Like, I feel like I have a job now. I don't want a job. I want to do something that I love. I want to, I want to work, you know, the way. And that distinction of the job was like, I was given a, a clear section that this was your job. Go do your job, Stephen. And I was like, I don't want that. I like a bit of variety. I like to be able to feel a part of it. I like to feel like this is, this is something that we're all trying to push up the hill, as opposed to no, that's your little section. You push that corner of the rock. So I, I guess over just bring it back to more real life examples, rather than me talking very, um, ephemeral uh, over the last number of years we've kind of realized one of our cafes closed there in april um, and the current one in the airports closed and i guess we've realized that we want to kind of small focusing more on small Is small is beautiful you know the way that it's it does it's not necessarily big is beautiful it's more you know small can be equally as beautiful and to try to really pursue excellence and beauty in what we are doing as opposed to bigger you know often western ideology is bigger is better more more bigger 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 and i, I think you know, we've kind of reached a point where it's like, you know, I think it's important for us to learn what is enough, especially
0: yeah. when I'm forty. It's like that the the, the story about the, the fisherman and yeah, the businessman, you
1: know. And yeah. we all know that story. Yeah. yeah. Where you just kinda why don't you just skip all that and just go fishing? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Yeah, and just to try to create a lifestyle where like where that's that's success is where I yeah. get to live a life that I love and I get to work with people that I really enjoy and do stuff that
0: is really fun. And if and I do that, how, I, how important is your current like lifestyle design for you? Is that something that you really put a thought into, or are you just literally f- doing what you want? You know, doing what you feel. Yeah, it's vital. Shabby?
2: It's vital. Yeah, I, I'd like to say I'm, I only do what makes me happy, but you know, I, I have to be responsible for, to the business too. So that, you know, there has to be naturally a you know a bit of both. But um, even throughout this lockdown, we started renting an office down here in Greystone so we don't have to drive to um, down to Pearville. So I just literally walked out, I can walk down the road and it looks out over the sea and it's, I can walk up to the cafe and have lunch and feel like a real, meet the kids and collect the kids from school. And it all feels very, I don't know, it just feels lovely. It feels very close. At times I feel like a farmer. I get to have breakfast, lunch and dinner with the family Wow. and I get to see my mom and dad every day. And it just, it feels very wholesome. And I, I think yeah. that's something that I'm really
0: enjoying. Primal. I think if you can stick to as primal as possible, people seem to be happier, it seems
2: yeah yeah there's something something beautiful about that Mm -hmm. you know traditional sense closure to nature family and you know that sense of being able i i saw like you know and it's probably very cliched and i'm sure many people have heard it before but the richest person isn't necessarily the person who's the most but it's the person that needs the least and i think there's something beautiful in that and i think there's something about you know finding beauty in the simple things is something that i'm definitely a lot more focused on
1: absolutely and it's like mark mentioned there the primal stuff i think especially now with people kind of inside a lot and some like of that it's it's people get getting really detached from what is normal for humans you know the touch and hanging out with people all that type of stuff um so it's good for like the people listening that uh you know if, if they can do something outside if they can go swimming like uh you guys do every <laughs> every morning down in the cove uh is that all year round
2: yeah we do it all year round yeah kind of Again, like much of our life, it has—it didn't come with a grand master plan. It just kind of—we were following our nose. We, you know, I think everyone has a different way of living their life, and me and day tend to be quite follow our nose and tend to be quite curious. And it just kind of came about. It—we were down one day, and we used to swim sporadically. And there was a fellow swimming in the sea on a cold September morning. And I—we I, used to go down to take pictures of the sunrise because it was always, you know, it looked nice, yeah. and you know, people seemed to appreciate it in social media, and it, it was a sense of hope and. New dawn and positivity. And we thought, sure, that's nice. And we get to have a walk too. Sure, why not? And um, we were down there and there was this fella in swimming. It was a manky day, but it was a nice sunrise. So I took a photo and I happened to have my togs with me. And there was a fella in swimming. And Dave was like, look at your man. He's nuts, isn't he? And uh, then he got out and he said, how are you, lads? And he kind of stood there with his hands on his hips and kind of went, you're getting in, lads. And, you know, we went to an old boys' school and tend to be a sucker for that macho stuff. It was like, <laughs> damn right. Uh, and then we got and then we got chatting afterwards, and he said his name was Neil. And uh, he said, see you tomorrow. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we met him the next day. And it, it just kind of spawned from that. The next day, a friend Caroline Barrington joined us. And then the next day, Hugo joined us. And then we brought tea. And it just, the bit that made it sustainable was the friendship, the joy, and the laughter. It wasn't, you know, the sea's fun. But yeah. the sea on your own is a bit like penance. <laughs> but as a group, there's a sense of collectively facing facing an enemy. And there's, you know, I think there's nothing brings a group together more than facing a common enemy. Like, I remember in school, one of my favorite years was the leaving cert year, your last year in school, because all the people that were mean and weren't nice, suddenly you all had something to talk about that damn leaving cert. And you could be more empathetic about that. So there was this, I don't know, the sea just tends to really, it's a wonderful leveling uh field like you could be sitting with a lawyer or a bin man and it doesn't matter because you're all standing in a pair of jocks about to go in this cold sea. so you know it, it's you're all it's very Humbling. socially yeah public and very socially um leveling absolutely and
1: lovely it's, it's it's a great uh, atmosphere in great in gray zones generally for kind of swimmers i i i was like i could swim like a, li- a little bit but i learned to swim properly uh with the ironman training so uh, in the cove i go back and forth um and that, um. Uh, but like every, I said to Mark, one of we did a podcast where we went through like our our goals our vision for twenty twenty one. And one of mine is to swim a lot more because every time I go for a swim, I feel great for the day. It's like a there's some there's something in the water. Uh, and I try to get Mark in there. He's uh he's a little bit shy sometimes. I think in the forty foot mark, it's the closest one to you, is it?
0: Yeah, I've no excuse really. It's yeah. it's <laughs> more, more the the thought of it getting into the cold <laughs> than actually than actually doing it. It's a. But uh look, I'm happy to, to give it a go.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think it's about not thinking about it. I think it's just about doing it like a reflex, you know the way. Okay,
0: because like, yeah. every day
2: it's cold. Every day you're like, Oh I don't wanna get in. Oh, why are yeah. we doing this? You know. <laughs> and then you come out like one of those insufferable people going, Oh, it's amazing, I feel great, what a great day. You know, that way. <laughs> and and it does that every day, and that's what brings us back in the sense of crack and chats and you know, even throughout Corona, you know, people are doing social distance and just it's it's very supportive and very i think in a time like this we're very disconnected from nature you know here we are on screens and we probably spend half our day on screens and i think it's important to connect with nature and the kind of rhythm of nature in the sense of um just fresh air and light really important
0: and it's an excuse to wear a a dry robe as well oh i love a dry robe mark you'd look great in a red
1: one (laughs) my wife got me one for christmas
0: it's been oh, there you are, Luke. It's
1: Welcome been, to Greystones. He, he has a checklist. How to be Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I've got that, and it's it's been uh, tucked nicely under the staircase uh, until uh, until tomorrow. I think I'll go go for a first swim of the year tomorrow. Anyway, I'll get uh
2: dry dry rub Gave us dry rubs back about five years ago, and. They gave us them, and we didn't know what the hell they were. It was a friend used to race for Spartan races, and he had one. And we all thought, "Jeez, they're cool. Where would you get them? And he said, oh, I think I know the guy. I think I'll be able to get you one. And he sent over two, and then they got it wrong. They sent over another two, so then I gave them to Neil and Hugo. And then he sent another two, and then Caroline had one, and then someone else had one. And then we all had dry ropes. And suddenly, you know, you didn't feel as weird with this big jacket. Yeah. But for anyone who does swim regularly, and I know they're, they've become a, a – a kind of a social icon or whatever but they're very practical and they're comfortable and you know it's quite funny now that people slag you for wearing them you know i think they're i've right.
0: seen i've seen somebody walking a dog with with a a, dry, a dog dry rub oh very yeah. nice that's that's kind of what next level that's
1: you know that's kind of <laughs> level 10 um okay cool uh, so well, you mentioned before that uh when you were expanding the business just out of interest um i was talking to somebody before who had a, a small kind of cheese business uh in ireland and he wanted to export and he got this big contract uh maybe Sainsbury's or one of those uh, big English chains, Um, and he said it was uh, one of the his life changed um, for the better financially, but probably for the worst, uh, stress-wise having to meet uh, certain quotas, standards, all that type of stuff Uh, getting into Waitrose and and stuff like that, um, was that something that they uh, approached you, did you have a couple of kind of offers there, or was that something that you were trying to do for a while break into the kind of English supermarket chance
2: yeah i think with running a business you're often it's often very celebrated growth growth is celebrated oh my god you reached over 10 million in sales congratulations how many people you employed 200 oh well done aren't you great and your ego can be inflated and you think oh i'm doing great what are we going to do next what are we going to take over uh and we were doing lots of work in the uk and we were doing um we were kind of ambassadors somewhat vegan ambassadors for waitrose we were doing lots of videos with them and writing pieces in this and then kind of then we they were looking at products and it kind of you know it took about a year but it kind of happened and it was you know it seemed like this great thing and congratulations you're exporting how fabulous and oh how many more extra people do you need to employ another 30 people congratulations oh wow this is fabulous and then the sales don't come in and you're like Ooh, oh oh shit you know and, and it's easy to get caught up in growth and i guess so did we and we ended up losing you know quite a lot of money out of it but it was a good lesson that i, I think it's you know, better to be prudent and make sure, you know, things are on alignment and you've kind of done your homework and you know what you're doing and, you know, but it was, it was a good, good lesson. Uh, and I think next time we're, I think we're, we'll hopefully have products in the UK later this year, but we'll do it in a lot more sustainable, you know, just a, a more experienced, I think maturity is a great, not that we're in any way mature, but we, you know, <laughs> you learn from your mistakes at least a little bit.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's an, an interesting, it's, so when I watched that video the other day when you guys were making the bread uh, and you guys were saying that you, during covid you're talk you're you're on the laptop a lot and then the difference between the t- I saw the two the two of you kneading a giant piece of uh of dough and I just thought to myself that's kind of it's it's so far separated than doing big international uh export deals it's com- it's a completely different thing and it seemed like you guys were delighted with that end of uh, the business as well um so it's good that maybe you're focusing on that too
2: I I think it's fun, like, I think it was Gary Vayner has the expression, you know, clouds and dirt, and I think it's important to have a bit of both, and I think with both, you can bring a freshness, you can bring an appreciation, and you can bring a kind of like, geez, I can't wait to go into that board meeting, I haven't been in a meeting in a week, you know, that way, and then it's like, I can't wait to get in the bakery to get my hands dirty and actually start mixing a dough, or, you know, I I think for us, who can be a bit restless, I think variety is really important for us, because if we were doing the same thing every day, we'd we'd upset people probably because yeah. we'd be unsuffering. <laughs> if we just, you know, we tend to have a lot of energy and we tend to, you know, kind of be restless. So it, it, it works well in some cases and in other cases, it can be quite a challenge. Nice.
1: And what, so there's so many things going on in the business. What, what do you personally, what's your favorite uh, part of the business to work in? Is it the coming up um, with new uh, kind of recipes for stuff or is it? I like a bit of
2: everything. Like I, I enjoy, like say, for a number of weeks, I was doing one shift a week in the bakery and that was really fun being a part of that. I like go down helping in the roastery, earlier we were filming um, a five-minute vegan sausage roll versus a five-hour vegan sausage roll and seeing could you taste the difference. That was quite fun. and quite fun planning that. Then we have online courses, we have about 50,000 people through them in the recent years and we're upgrading our Happy Good course at the moment, so that's quite fun. It can get a bit technical. Um, i quite enjoy design i quite enjoy writing the books and looking at the design of books so you know there's i guess there's many facets of it you could be walking with joanna who's our head of people discussing about how we can create a wonderful culture like i i, I think i really enjoy the variety of in the spectrum of it you could be down at the farm looking at how we can start getting fennel sprouts grown or how we can start growing our own basil for pesto you could be you know there's there's a lot of facets of the business which lend itself to uh, i guess expressing different parts of ourselves which is which can be quite fulfilling. I'm forced to use the fullness of, of my facets. Say, so I pro-
1: a bit cheesy. <laughs> Did you uh, get it. I, no, you, you get that, that. cheesy. <laughs> <according> <laughs> to, we just we just broke up just at that that last bit there.
2: <laughs> okay, it can, it can be quite fulfilling. You know that sense of that I'm having to use all my capabilities or all my lack of capabilities. You know to try to keep all these interesting parts alive and to be engaged with it all.
1: I didn't know you guys had a farm.
2: Is that in Wicklow as well? Yeah, we have a small farm. It started out with our little brother Dara. This, this is where the products came out of. We started, our brother Dara was doing triathlons for Ireland, uh-huh. and he was looking for the optimum food for it. And he found out at the time, Dave, we were into kind of sprouting and into cleansing and fasting. This is probably back 15 years ago. And uh, we managed to, we, we had the dream of having enough money to be able to pay for our mom and dad to go to Hippocrates Center. It's a kind of health center in Florida where often people that are terminally ill or struggling with kind of degenerative diseases will go and instead of traditional kind of oncology can be faced on kind of chemotherapy and kind of can often deplete the immune system. This is all based on building the immune system by eating kind of living foods. And uh, we only had enough money to pay for mom and dad to go on a plane there, but they got there and they went and they loved it and they came back and mom was mad keen on sprouts and wheatgrass. And then Dara got into it and he found it was affecting his performance. So then he thought, geez, I wonder, can I grow for the shop? And he started growing for the shop. And then, then he started growing for nature's grow, gold down the road. And then he started supplying someone else. And then there was an issue with, um, I think, sprouts in Egypt had some sort of an issue, a health scare with them. So then suddenly people didn't want to buy sprouts. So then we used to make, I used to make, there was a particular type of pesto that I came up with a recipe and mom used to make 10 little white tubs a week. And we used to sell them on the counter at the juice bar. And Dara thought, I wonder, could I sell pesto? So he started making some pesto. And then instead of 10 tubs, they made 20 tubs. And they sold some in Nature's Gold. And then they sold some somewhere else. And it just kind of went from there. And now we have 50 products in about 1,000 stores. So it's, it's, I guess, you know, like anything, it just starts one day with a small little thing. And you're, you know, you're trying. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And so, so the, other, the ingredients are coming mostly from the, from the farm still? Or does that go into it?
2: Um, well, the farm is mostly just microgreens. Like it's, right. when I say farm, it's a perfect setup if you were growing weed. Like it's, okay. it's, it's uh, a, <laughs> they're 24 foot insulated containers where it's easy to keep a stable 20 degrees all year round. And we don't grow weed just for anyone okay. listening. We grow uh, wheatgrass, we grow pea sprouts, we grow sunflower sprouts, we grow alfalfa, we grow clover, we grow fennel, we grow radish. We grow a lot of microgreens, so they're very nutritionally dense foods, kind of that are optimum for people to um, ingest and to absorb the nutrients. So yeah, they're pretty cool. But we do have plans and ho- having a bigger community farm in the coming years.
0: And just just a chat about uh, veganism. Like when you went, <clears throat> well, I don't know if you were vegetarian first or or even just vegetarian. If someone was to go, if I was to go, like down that route, what what were the kind of the first kind of impacts you felt? Health wise, like that, you could actually feel from from moving off the standard kind of diet?
2: Um, I think initially I felt delighted with myself, you know, that I was trying something different. you uh, better I, I, than people. <laughs> well, I, I think just for myself, I just felt curious, you know, the way, because I guess I didn't know any vegetarians growing up. And if I did, they were generally, you know, girls at parties. And I felt ashamed. It was like, oh, you're better than me. Fuck, I shouldn't even talk. I mean, you know, and I'd probably have a chicken breast hanging out of me, you know, the way. So it was like, I didn't know any vegetarians and I, I kind of didn't know men could be vegetarian. You know, it was, su- it was such a cultural, strange thing. So I was delighted to be, you know, going down to nature's gold, down the road here, buying lentils, going, geez, I wonder how I cook these. This is fun. You know, there was a real curiosity and I, I think it, it was as I kind of embarked on it, I, I kind of felt like, wow, this is, I wonder how this affects my health. And I, I remember in Whistler, I remember sitting on a chairlift going up to Blackcomb mountain and I remember I had a job in a burger bar. Uh, on the mountain and I remember there was one that, that they served a vegetarian chili and had eight different vegetables in it and I remember being like I ate and I went oh my god I ate eight vegetables like I'm gonna be like the most energetic person ever like when are these superpowers gonna kick in so I think I was possibly a bit misled initially um that I thought I was gonna have superpowers I, I think over time I just I, I guess as cliched as it might sound I felt more myself I felt more comfortable I felt more wow, I never really thought about food, where it came from and how it affected me. And wow, this is really interesting. And now I I feel now that I've actually thought about it, because prior to that, I was quite ignorant about food and where it came from. It's like, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to eat that way. That makes sense to me. And that that was really it. Like, I guess uh, on a physiological level, I felt like I had more energy and I felt a little bit lighter. And that was, yeah. yeah. There were times, you know, where I'd, I'd kind of decide, I wonder, can I run a marathon without training? And I'd get up and I'd do it. And I'd be like, okay, that worked. But, you know, there were times when you're a bit obscure with health, you know, with just, we became neurotic to pursue, you know, perfection with food and realize there's no perfection with food.
0: Yeah. I assume gut health would be uh, massively improved.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess, even to speak, we've, we started a happy gut course with a friend who's a consultant gastroenterologist back about two years ago. Gastroenterologist for anyone, it's a big fancy word for, for a gut doctor. Uh, and his name's Dr. Al Desmond. He's he's great. And we started out doing our Happy Heart course back about 10 years ago. And that came out of me and Dave were doing cooking classes upstairs in the, the restaurant or the cafe. And, um, you know, it'd be good to laugh, but, you know, you'd see people outside, outside the chip shop afterwards and you kind of realize, geez, we're not really, you know, and they'd look guilty as you walk past. So it's kind of like, okay, this isn't really having a, a positive impact. I wonder what we can do to kind of get people really more into this realizing that this can affect their health. And I remember Dave was at the till in the bed shop one day and Mary Cahill came in and said, uh, geez, I lost, I lost five kilos on Weight Watchers. And Dave went, wow, cool. Well done, Mary. And then he turned to me and he went, geez, people love measuring their improvements of health. I wonder, can we come up with a course that will measure the improvement of the participants' health? And he was reading a book by this Dr. Dean Ornish at the time who proved in clinical trials that he could reverse the indicators of cardiovascular disease, the biggest killer in the world. And Dave thought, I wonder, will this work in Ireland, in Greystones, with local people? So we went down to the local doctor, Brennan Cuddy, knocking his door. How are you, Bren? We want to reverse heart disease. Are you in? And he said, go wait to me. Angela's around the corner. Talk to Angela. And Angela's the nurse, and uh, we managed to talk Angela to come and help, help um, by giving her 50 quid. And She said, great. So we put posters around the shop saying, you know, reverse heart disease, skinny, sexy, free. Uh, and we 20 people sign up. And they didn't sign up because they'd elevated LDL levels or they had high cholesterol. They kind of signed up just because they were curious, wondering what the hell are these lads doing? I wonder what this is like. Came along the first night, Angela measured their cholesterol, weight and blood pressure and they came up to us. And us as being chefs, we were kind of teaching them, this is a lentil. This is how you cook it. This is what it tastes like. Try it down. wow. And as soon as You know, the first night they were all like this, ah, these fucking hippies, what am I doing here? And slowly as you pass around food and they tasted food, it was like, actually, this is interesting. This could work. So we did it for four weeks and we put videos on of doctors because it gave more validity to the vegetables. Uh, And at the end of four weeks, me and Dave were genuinely nervous going, I wonder, will this work? Um, And we were kind of a bit afraid and kind of feeling that if this doesn't work, maybe we're going to have to, you know, have an existential crisis. And, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. But uh, thankfully, there was an average drop of cholesterol of 20%. All participants lost weight, uh, blood pressure regulated. And it was just, it was, I guess, amazing. And subsequent to that, we did a few more courses. It got even medical attention. It got a number of articles in national papers. And then it started getting too busy. And me and Dave were like, I don't want to just do this course. I want to like work going to the market at half four. And I want to like cook in the kitchen. And so then we built an online course. And I guess to date, we've had about 50,000 people through the courses and it back a number of goes years ago we started that happy good course with dr al and i guess through that we've had about twenty thousand people through that course and it's really i guess highlighted to me and to dr al he wasn't sure if this was going to work just the benefits of eating a plant-based diet because in ireland nine out of ten people in the country at large don't get their recommended daily intake of fiber and fiber you you'll only get in fruit veg beans legumes nuts and seeds Um, and Right now, living in a global pandemic, it's really important for all of us to have a strong immune system. And 70% of our immune system lives in our microbiome. Microbiome, fancy term for uh, the collection of, there's about two kilo of bacteria that live in your small intestine. And there's about 100 100 trillion of them. And there's about 10 trillion, approximately, uh, human cells. So we're really it's really important that these uh, microorganisms are healthy and strong and 70% of our immune system lives in a microbiome. And the main food for our microbiome is fiber. And fiber, you're only getting fruit, veg, beans, legumes, and nuts and seed. And sorry, I'm ranting. (laughs) 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 But anyway, fiber is good for you. Good for immune system. Good for a healthy gut, Mark. Excuse the monologue.
1: And, you know, no, no, it's, it's, it's you're dropping some knowledge on us here. We need to up our fiber for sure, for sure. But I said this, Mark. I think I said this to Mark before. We, me and my wife, we changed the way we were eating a few years ago. And um, we didn't go vegan, but we went to try to eat a little bit more healthy. So, some of the what, what I've sometimes when I look at the, the vegan cooking stuff, I'm like, this is like you're getting a lot of the value if you eat just more. The if the, the message was just eat this as a side, uh, or as the main part with some meat. I think you'd get a lot of the benefits as well. I think when you're a meat eater, um, when people think veg- uh, vegetables, when I was growing up, um, I was on sports teams and stuff like that. And I was just, all, they're just protein, protein, protein was what people were talking about. Um, so, but then when I talked about, or when I thought about vegetables, I thought about um, like uh, frozen a veg uh, heated heat up in a microwave and that's what I'm thinking. I'm like I can't live on that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? that's good. but I wasn't putting any of the effort into um, you know preparing vegetables, trying different things the variety compared to when you just eat meat and um, the variety in vegetables and, uh, and that type of stuff is uh, is incredible Do you know what I mean So I think it would just be a more enjoyable life if people ate more variety of uh, veg and plants you know.
2: Yeah. I think, I think it's, I'm still there. Sorry, broke up there for a sec, but, but I think like our our main message wouldn't be about, you know, they must be a vegan or vegetarian or a, a salad muncher. You know, I think it's really important, you know, just to simply try to eat more whole foods, baby steps, progress rather than perfection. There's no perfect in food. We've kind of explored lots of aspects of food and, you know, in our experience, there's no perfect diet. It's to try to eat more whole foods. Cause I could eat a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet and eat you know, vegan hot dogs and i vegan ice cream and I went dead and I had vegan chips and they were deadly, <laughs> uh, but I'm not healthy. Uh, and I think as a nation, we all need to eat more fiber and fiber, you'll only get in whole foods. So it's, it's not about being vegan or vegetarian, as you said, it's literally to try to eat more whole foods.
1: Absolutely. And uh, I think that's a great, a great message for everyone out there listening. Uh, but Mark, this, so this this time where we kind of uh, we kind of do it like a lightning round for some of our, our guests here to kind of pick their brain on a few different uh, items. Um, I'm really excited about this uh, about this one because I think uh, we might get some good answers here, Mark. Uh, they don't have to be Stephen. They don't have to be crazy uh, quick answers or you know um, you know one word answers or something like that. But uh, they're gonna be quote unquote rapid fire. What do you think, Mark? Yeah. Uh, i'll go
0: um okay so what apps do you use the
2: most um i use i'm learning irish and polish i speak polish and i I speak a number of languages but i've always felt embarrassed that my irish is quite poor and i listened to a podcast with john o'donoghue recently and he just reignited my love for the irish language sorry that wasn't rapid Um, (laughs) and i use instagram a lot and i wish i didn't i use youtube lots too and what else do i use Recently been interested in cryptocurrency, so I've been looking at Coinbase quite a lot. It's quite fun. It's kind of like white-collar gambling.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, I actually I, I started learning Irish as well about two years ago um, because my wife's a, a Goel School teacher in the Goel School here in uh, Greystones. Um, She's good on your Luke. And I, I went to the Gael Talk, the adult version uh, up in Donegal and it was amazing that sounds sexier than it is Yeah, not not as sexy sorry (laughs) it was was great it was like being teenagers again we all had like class everyone goes out for for drinks afterwards and stuff like that it was really I'd recommend it to anybody it was really really good Um, so so we just had a we had a baby uh, recently as well and she wants to bring I'm never going to be able to I don't think do the the whole fluent thing but uh, if we can bring them up in a uh, you know Irish positive house that's what we're we're going for you know? very good that's cool very but, uh, good, anyway, good. Mark, sorry for that okay. aside Mark okay
0: what, what's your favorite social media and why
2: i use instagram probably the most um why i guess you can choreograph it to be who you want in your feed and what messages you want to feed yourself and i guess i quite enjoy the aesthetic of it i enjoy that there can be a sense of community even as they get quite large you know like i guess right now we get hundreds of messages every day but you can still keep in touch with lots of them and you know i've met many friends through it and many other people I'd often uh, our our network of kind of health and wellness people would be greater in london than it would be in harland so it really gives that opportunity to reach out and connect to people and it's something that i do use a lot sorry not a rapid answer No, no, promise i got better at this
0: no no you can elaborate on the question youtube
2: (laughs) i love too i love youtube we've been playing youtube for a good few years and it's great creative outlet
0: I noticed that that the Happy Pair account re- replies to literally every single comment, which is we uh, best. yeah, we try, awesome. to,
2: try to struggle with it, but try.
0: Um, okay, what's the best business idea you've never acted upon? Best business idea: get a job. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you you've acted it on, uh, on yeah, yes, um yeah like I, I guess for us money has never been a huge motivator so it's something that we've been often a bit negligent in that regard but uh best business i did I've never acted on don't know i'm um, not one that often hangs around with regret a huge amount I tend to be too too busy chasing over the next hill so yeah. sorry pass no answer better <laughs> job there
0: that was the best one okay what what time do you get up in the morning and what time do you go to sleep
2: uh, normally around 5.30, I get up in the morning, go to bed around half, 9.10, often fall asleep
0: putting the kids to bed. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. Okay. Um, how much money is enough money? Uh, for me, very little,
2: I guess, because I live in a little small, like I live in my house. I live maybe 20 seconds away from the shop. Uh, so I really don't need very much. So yeah, oh. not very much.
1: I like that answer Um
0: is it, is it who you know or is it what you know?
2: I think it's who you are. Oh, I like that one.
0: Sorry. it's like, who
2: you are oh. yourself and your relationship with yourself is much more important that? for me. Cool.
0: We've had some interesting answers to that one. That's another good one.
1: You'd be uh, surprised at how different the answers are. Hey, Mark, what about two more and then we'll get uh, Stephen on his way here.
0: Okay. Um, if you could advise someone to learn one skill, what would it be? Get to know yourself. So it'd be like spend time on your own.
2: At least in my experience, um, you know, to, to like having met lots of you know quote unquote really successful people that are you know might be really famous or very wealthy or whatever. They don't seem any more happier than any of us here. And I've met some really poor people that are remarkably happy that you just love being around because you just have this feeling of joy. And I've you know in my experience. I think as I get older, I think true wealth is having a really good relationship with yourself. And you go to bed at night and you close your eyes, you feel happy, content. I had a good day. I feel really, you know, everyone I met, it was a real nice encounter and I feel like, you know, good in myself. And I think that's, that to me is true wealth.
0: Very good. Okay. Last one. What book would you recommend, recommend to the 18 year old, Stephen? Oh,
2: cool. Dave's reading a book, a e- book, he the best book he's read in twenty years. I have it here. Here's one sec. I haven't read it, have it any, one. But the surrender experiment, the surrender experiment, Dave says is amazing. He loves that book. Um, what book? Have, I I always maybe I just love saying this book because it makes me sound intelligent. There's this book by uh, this guy E. F. Schumacher called Small Is Beautiful. It was kind of a, a an economics book with a whole social uh, philosophical aspect, and I was quite like that. I always liked. Herman Hesse, uh, Sid Hart, I always loved. That was a beautiful book.
1: Okay, there's oh,
0: plenty there for people to look over. Or the
2: Glass Bead Game by Herman Hess a great one too.
1: Glass Bead Game. Okay, <laughs> uh, perfect. So, obscure, sorry. I know I think the, the Sid Hart one is going to be good. I've I never uh, read that one. We've I've read a lot of Buddhist books uh, recently. It's actually one of my uh, one of my goals for the year to try to get more kind of Buddhism going, a little bit more mindfulness. But uh, Stephen. Thank you so much for joining us uh, here on the Thank Shark you. Pod. Um, you know, we'll, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what—I'll—I'll uh, I'll be down uh, at some sunrise. I'll—I'll uh, I'll get it. Just show guys, up. Just show up. I'll be. Like, hey, how's it going, guys? Let's uh, let's get the sharks in the water and uh, get swimming. I like it. Um, so, thanks very much for that. Wish. I'll, thanks, I'll,
2: thanks, thanks, Mark. Lovely to meet you. Look forward to meeting you in person.
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You too,
2: Stephen. Really appreciate it. Well so done with everything, and um, congrats, lads. And hopefully, hopefully, we see you soon. All right. bye, bye lads.
0: Bye. bye. Thanks All a right. million. Bye, Cheers. Bye bye. Bye bye. Take it easy. Bye bye.